Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today's featured Actus solution is Imagine 2022 Actus Conference. Imagine the possibilities, and uh, we hope you can join your peers and all your Actus friends in Orlando, May 2nd through 5th at the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You know, we're all reconnecting here after the COVID-19 pandemic. I think we all need a little magic in our lives. I know I do. Um, and we all need to imagine what might be in store for us professionally. So we've got a wonderful program for you all lined up in May in, in, in beautiful Orlando. Uh, we've got a lot new of new things going on, a, a brand new masterclass track. We've got a dedicated outpatient track. We're going to be talking a little bit about out, outpatient today, actually. Uh, and we have a special guest to talk about a, a new uh, element of their CDI program. But great spot, shuttle buses, major Disney theme parks. We hope you can join us in just a couple months. All right, so my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, HCC's Queries and the Rise of Telemedicine. Today's show is sponsored by Nuance. Uh, Nuance CDI is a comprehensive portfolio of cloud-based technologies designed to help increase the productivity and effectiveness of CDI teams to drive clinical documentation excellence. Its clinically focused program and services deliver documentation guidance, AI-powered encounter prioritization, workflow management, denial support, and analytics to better drive documentation across the care continuum. Check them out at nuance.com. All right, well, here we are. You know, um, we were just have, chatting away before the show, and uh, today it happens to be our 200th show. Uh, that's a big, nice round number, and, <laughs> you know, I'm super proud, really, that the Actus podcast has, be, has become a really important voice for the CDI profession. Um, I was going back and looking through all my notes. So we, we started this program back in October 2014, and over 200 episodes, we've had so many great guests, uh, innovative programs, great ideas. It's been my honor and privilege to host uh, this just, just amazing community on the airwaves. Really, I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it. Uh, and if I have some finality in my voice, you know, this is this is going to be our my second to last show as Actus Director. So um, my last like full regular show with, with uh, <laughs> you know, guests next week is gonna be my last show, a bit of a retrospective and farewell and a look back at, at what we've done with the podcast. Um, there's gonna be a lot more to come there. I was just telling our guests today that, the podcast is going to continue, so if you're if you're a regular listener, we know we have many of them. It's not going anywhere. It's going to look a little different. There'll be some rotating hosts, etc. We're gonna we're gonna get into all that next week. Um, I could go on and on, but I really want to get into today's show. Um, and we've got some great guests today. So we've got a special uh, co-host today. Uh, she's been on the show a few times in the past. My friend and editorial director Melissa Varnavis. Uh, she is responsible for development of our Actus National Conference, all the great lineup lineup of content I was just talking about. She also does local chapter leadership, 
assist with our journal and other Actus products, webinars, virtual conferences. She's all over the place, an <laughs> indispensable member of the Actus team. I want to welcome her to the program, Alyssa. I'm glad to be here, Bri. Yeah. Okay. And we've got two great guests from Cooper Health. Uh, I'm joined, first of all, by Mary Rogers. Mary is Supervisor of CDI Professional Practices with Cooper University Healthcare out of Camden, New Jersey. Mary has uh, nearly 20 years of healthcare experience, including work as an accounts receivable specialist, outpatient coder, CDI specialist. She educates three to 400 providers a year. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, incorporates HCCs and social determinants of health into her presentations. Um, you know, there's a, a lot going on. We'll get into the show, but essentially with the declaration of the public health emergency and the rise of telehealth, helped get this uh, new program up and running for Cooper Health, which we're going to get into a little bit later. And I want to welcome her to the program. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. Yeah, loved having you on. And then we also have with us uh, Trish Swazinski. I probably should have got that pronunciation down before we started. <laughs> I was so focused on your first name, uh, Trish, that whether you were Patricia or Patty, we're going with Trish. But, um, Trish is manager, <laughs> okay. manager of the CDI department at Cooper Health. So she has nearly 30 years of experience, including time in critical care, trauma, quality improvement, CDI. Uh, Trish leads a team comprised of 20 inpatient, duly certified CDI specialists and four coding specialists with multiple certifications. Her present operational focus, however, is with the ambulatory uh, CDI team, Profi, due to the complexity and rapidly changing aspects of ambulatory billing. So welcome to the program, Trish. Thank you for having me. Thank you yeah. for making me do it. <laughs> <laughs> We had a choice, but I'm, I am glad you joined us. <laughs> I know. All right. Um, as we always do, I'm going to start with a uh, poll question related to today's topic. Pulling that up now, you should be seeing that hitting your screen. Again, for those that are joining us live, uh, we're asking folks today, do you review telemedicine encounters to improve documentation capture? Your options are yes, your CDI team assists with a review of telemedicine encounters. Yes, but maybe it's coding or um, some other type of non-CDI staff review. Uh, option three is no, but we're considering it. Flat no or other, please specify. I love getting your other comments and questions, so do drop those into the uh, the question chat. But once again, do you review telemedicine encounters to improve documentation capture? Yes, CDI does. Yes, coding does or other non-CDI. No, but considering it, no um, at all <laughs> or other. All right, we're going to go ahead and close this out and we will come back to the results in just a few minutes. Okay, uh, Mary and Trish. Thanks again for coming on the program. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, we've been doing and will continue to do a countdown uh, to the conference with some special sessions that we're going to be focusing on. And you, you guys will be presenting in full with the full PowerPoint and all the other bells and whistles uh, in May in Orlando. Um, this particular session is called HCC's Queries and the Meteoric Rise of Telemedicine Encounters. 
So um, I thought we could start, I think I'll be turning this over to you, Trish, but just maybe with some some context about the CDI program at Cooper Health, what you currently review and, and how and why you got into telemedicine reviews. You know, um, we kind of alluded to it when I was introducing you that was, was this pandemic related? Was it um, a point of opportunity or maybe vulnerability that you saw? What, what, what was it that, that got you uh, into, into telemedicine? All of the above. So I think to understand um, how we how we did the telemedicine encounters, we have to understand um, how Cooper's professional billing side works. It's vastly different from our HB side. Um, we have five vendors that code and bill all encounters, pretty much. We're a level one trauma center. We have neurointerventional. We were the South Jersey ECMO Center. So any and all opportunity for documentation queries, which we call requests for additional information on our side, they get sent to us in queues. So we own 27 billing queues. They come to us through the queues. We see the opportunity for attestations, um, anything E&M related, uh, conflicting documentation. They send us the request. We vet them. We send them to the physicians via EMR. Um, and this is how we find educational opportunities. We find billing opportunities. Um, things where levels of service might be lower. So that being said, as soon as telemedicine occurred, you know, you had these encounters and we, they, we had almost, well, we had over 70,000 uh, encounters in less than eight months for telemedicine with wow. our institution. And it was just soaring. And during that time, during the public health emergency, you have you know, documentation requirements they've never heard of. You have templates being made. And these are all by the seat of their pants, flying in compliance and some of the, you know, informatics physicians trying to help doctors. So you can imagine that all the things we see on a regular basis, right? We see missing documentation, missing headers, missing things that are required to build that encounter. You know, on a regular day, we miss these things and we can query it was pretty intuitive that there was going to be opportunity there. Mm -hmm. But during the public health emergency originally was not the time to do it, right? Everything had to get settled in. Um, so at that point, we, we did speak with the vendor. We, were, we verified that there was opportunity. There was a tremendous amount of non-billable encounters based on lack of documentation, conflicting documentation. So the opportunity was there. And obviously the vulnerability, right? because it's a public health emergency. These physicians were learning on the fly and things are being developed on the fly. And, and just the sheer volume, the sheer volume of it all. Um, so therein lies our opportunity, right? Um, Absolutely. To go back and... Mm -hmm. Well, appreciate we that, Trish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mary, you've got a great section in your presentation on how potential benefits of reviewing telemedicine encounters and specifically how they affect HCCs and risk scores. Can you explain how these encounters, how these encounters, uh, how you do that and how they feed into your HCC reporting? Hi, Melissa. Thank you for the question. With reviewing the telemedicine encounters, we've now have the opportunity to identify those diagnoses on the claim form pre-bill and ensure the note contains documentation to make them meet. In other words, documentation relating to monitoring, evaluating, assessing, or treating a condition. The meet or tamper, the latter being a trademark acronym meaning treatment, assess, monitor, or medicate, 
plan, evaluate, or referral is essential for validating any HCC. Conversely, this also allows us to identify those conditions where the meat is documented but not yet coded. Additionally, we may find opportunity when a provider is documenting history of for a condition which is still present. History of diagnoses, such as history of prostate cancer, would code to Z85.46, which is not an HCC. Elsewhere in this particular note, there's no history of a prostatectomy, and in fact, the patient is in a watchful waiting phase by the urologist, and the cancer is still active. C61, malignant neoplasm of prostate, does fall into HCC12, and that would have a relatively highly weighted risk adjustment factor score. Interesting, okay. Appreciate that, Mary. Um, that's very helpful. You know, maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, process as well. Um, and I'm just keeping an eye on some of the questions we're getting. A lot of a lot of process type related stuff. You know, um, you're you're obviously not going to get. I don't think. Maybe maybe you do a CDI specialist on a call during a concurrent review. So when when are you doing review? Is it is it before? You know, Trish, you mentioned that these vendors were sending you opportunities. Um, and then how are you prompting the physician with this? Uh, if someone else asked you, are you uh, how are you able to essentially to identify pre-billing uh, with this process? So in this case, it was it's actually the vendor who identifies codes and bills and pre-bill. They send it to our work queue with the question, missing information and and uh, conflicting information, missing diagnoses, things that either render it not billable at all or or could lower the level of service potentially. We then also go through that uh, documentation with, you know, looking for, for missing HCCs too, right? We look for other opportunity. And then what we do is through our EMR. So we have Epic mm -hmm. and we send the, we send the, it's called a, it's a query, but we call it request for additional information. We send it through the Epic system. It goes into the physician's in basket. The physician then answers it, addends his note, and then sends it back to us. And they can decline. We also have interaction with emails, right? If they may have questions, because now this is new. Um, one thing to, to, to point out in this process is that before we could even do this, uh, this work queue for requests for additional information, this was an area with our primary care physicians mostly and our general practitioners who have never seen this process. So we needed to get buy-in. We needed yep. to identify the need, right, which we said we did. We had to get buy-in from our medical directors, compliance, revenue partners, and all the owners of the institutes. We had to, Mary and I had to meet with the heads of the institutes mm -hmm. um, to let them know what's going on. And then there's three things. There's only three things they needed to hear to get everybody to buy in. You have non-billable encounters, non-compliant documentation, and you can go for HCC recovery because we're an ACO. So once we establish that, we then gave education, we provided instructions and the support. And it was pretty seamless. So what everybody else was doing in the hospital with these requests for additional information was brand new for these providers for telemed. And they did a beautiful job. Once we met with them, they took it on, they get it in their in basket, they answer the best they can, they addend the note and they send it back. Then our team evaluates what has been addended, is it adequate, and we send it back to the vendor. Mm. 
interesting that's that that's a great explanation and then obviously the the vendor just does the final coding for these outpatient encounters with with, with the additional info got it yeah it sounds like a great process interesting and and kudos for you guys to getting everybody on board so quickly too yep um, can you guys tell us a little bit about some of the, I know you mentioned this a little bit before, Mary, some of the common clinical scenarios that you're finding with telemedicine. You know, you, you mentioned the, the MEET acronym um, mm-hmm. and, and pushing them towards, you know, documenting that the, the condition was monitored and evaluated and assessed and treated. Um, but is there, was there any specific like real pain point there? Um, a pain point, yes. We did find some uh, common clinical scenarios um, on the surface for HCC capture, um, and one of those opportunities was for morbid obesity, or HCC 22. The providers would often document only obesity, and that, of course, codes to the unspecified E66-9, which mm-hmm. is not an HCC. And that would be in their final assessment and plan, and that would be then put onto their claim form, onto their, um, for billing. Yet that particular provider is also referring a patient to a bariatric surgeon. Mm. And elsewhere in the note, we do see where we have our vitals, the height and the weight of the patient, and also the BMI calculation, which is, I believe our EMR, does that automatically if it sees a height and a weight. And then we can compliantly send that request to our providers uh, in the RAI, Request for Additional Information process, via through our EMR to query for specificity on that obesity diagnosis. Like, did they, we have the request for the patient to be referred to bariatrics, we have the BMI, you stated obesity, um, is it really morbid obesity? If it's something else, always feel free to deny the claim. We always have to give them that out, always, yeah. always, to make yep. it fully compliant. And when we send them that request, that's when we simultaneously request that they addend their note with that additive information, because that is very important that it has to be in the provider's note, unlike being in the overall uh, chart for an inpatient admission. For each particular note, it needs to be in their note or associated with that encounter. So, and because of our provider's workflow in our EMR, when they capture and report their diagnoses, that's when we take the opportunity to also ask them to include that BMI in their assessment and plan, almost as like an educational tool as well for future reference. So they, oh yes, I need to put in morbid obesity. Oh yes, I need to add the BMI. And then that way it can correctly capture that HCC 22. Oftentimes too, they're with that particular HCC, um, they find it a hard um, pushback for other reasons for patient satisfaction, but that's a story for another day. But another, another often overlooked HCC opportunity um, that I have identified can sometimes actually be proliferative diabetic retinopathy and the vitreous hemorrhage, which is HCC-122. Um, our providers may include in the meet, in their note, that their uh, patient is falling with XYZ retinal specialists, yet in the body of the note, their assessment and plan reveals just E11.9, type two diabetes mellitus without complications. Mm-hmm. So a simple click in our EMR's media tab 
where some of that external data is stored, scanned and stored there, would include a recently scanned letter from a retinal specialist who the patient is currently seeing for their type 2 diabetes mellitus with proliferative diabetic retinopathy bilaterally and is currently stable. Um, and I've seen them put that full descriptor in the in the their notes, and that would go to E11.3553. And that diagnosis falls into both HCC18, diabetes with chronic complications, as well as HCC122. And those do not have a hierarchical or bundling um, association. So they can both be reported separately. So now we would then query our physician via our RAI process to address that conflicting information because he has the E11.9 and is referring to the retinal specialist who says uh, uh, it's actually the proliferative diabetic retinopathy. So there's a little bit conflicting information that we can ask them now to address and addend their note accordingly with that more specific information. Very cool and very important. Yeah, great example, Mary. Appreciate that. And even you, you got all, even got all the codes in there, which is I know is not. <laughs> I'm going to check up on all those afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Brian. You know, just in closing, um, before we get into some of our, our other show elements, you know, uh, two part question. I think this one's going back to you, Mary. We'll see. Maybe Trish would want to weigh in as well. Mm -hmm. But what else do you plan on covering at your session in May? Um, I have, again, the, the foresight. I've been able to look at your slide deck. I know you've got some great case examples and a lot of other information in there that folks might be interested in. And then also, uh, the big tough question is, what else are you most looking forward to at the Actus Conference? Networking, okay. learning, fun in Orlando, maybe having a, a drink at the bar. I don't know. All the above. Well, <laughs> oh, Trish and, I, gonna... Trish and I are getting drinks at the bar. I don't know, Bri. Uh, there we go. Oh, count me in. <laughs> um, well, first, I'd like to answer for Trish on this first part, where um, we are both cannot wait to attend the conference in May this year. And um, as an added bonus is to be there in person. Just what you alluded to at the very beginning, Brian, getting out there a uh, little bit of normalcy back in our lives. Um, as a teaser for some of the other items we're going to be discussing in Florida are going to include how we formulate that focused ambulatory query. Um, mm -hmm. The importance of documenting time, and that is something that we stress for educational purposes for our providers. It has a lot to do with coding, and it's so important now and in the future. And we'll touch base on that and allude to a little bit of that. And also when a reported HCC can and cannot affect a CBT level of service. There are times when it can, there are times when it can't. It's like, how do you figure that out? How is the difference on that? Yeah. But what are we most looking forward to at the Actus Conference this year? The simple answer is all of all the of above. <laughs> all of it. Oh. <laughs> all of it, for I sure. Normalcy is a good word. <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to be a great program, and uh, you guys are a big part of it. Looking forward to your session. And so, I, I for those uh, wondering, I am going to be there. Um, just say that right now. I'm, I'm not going to be the Actus director there. I'm going to work with another company that exhibits. So, um, I'll be there, and I'll have to pop my head into your session. So I'm going to have that drink. So <laughs> going to have it. <laughs> Big shout out. We'll find you. 
all the committee <laughs> members too who who helped who helped with uh, picking the agenda and reviewing all of the presentation materials. So big shout out to the to the whole conference committee. Yeah, people are excited for this. I got I was looking at the comments. Someone said, you know, this is what the uh, OIG looks at too. So great topic. We've been hearing a lot about you know HCC audits, and um, I, I love that you guys are doing it the the right way, the CDI way. You know, where you're looking for clinical evidence, you're giving the physician an out. You're a lot of this, I think, is missing in some outpatient programs. Um, so, kudos on the great process and good stuff. Thank, Thank you. you. Can't wait to see you. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at our poll results. So, again, we asked folks, do you review telemedicine encounters to improve documentation capture? Um, the largest bucket by far, 70% said no. Um, wow. Sixteen percent said yes. CDI team does assist with review. Seven percent also say yes with their coding or non-CDI staff reviewing these encounters. So, well, twenty-three percent, if my math is correct, are are, are doing this. Three percent say no, but considering it. Four uh, percent said other. There was a couple of like don't know, uh, but majority no. So. Um, I don't know who to turn this over first. Well, what do you guys think of the results? Any anything here that surprises you? Oh, you take a step at this. Go ahead, Trish. Go ahead. I I it's it's interesting. This is what's good about Actus, and this is what's good about connecting, is that sometimes you stay in your bubble and you're doing certain things, and you don't know if it's innovative or not. You don't know if it's the norm. So reaching out, this tells me very much that we were we were a little bit on the innovative side, that not. This is not uh, something that the as a as a whole um, that many do. I will say that if you have an ACO, mm -hmm. a pop health ACO, if you're part of an ACO, definitely consider it. You know, one of the biggest reasons, or not biggest, but very significant. You know, you figure all these encounters. We did well over a thousand encounters and counting. Um, that could have been very well non-billable. And, and, you know, in, in documentation, that's not really what our goal is, right? But you're, you think about all of that documentation and all of that accuracy of diagnoses of what that patient has and what happened to them over these past two years would get thrown out and not reportable. So for our patient's sake, um, it's a very good thing to think about if you do have an ACO to cap it, or for your patients in general, to capture the acuity of their care during this surge during COVID, um, you will miss a lot, of, you, you know, it gets thrown out. Okay. If the documentation can't be built, it gets thrown out. So it's, it's definitely a good idea if you're not doing it to think about it for your patient's sake, the, yeah. the capture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Any other comments, Mary? Go ahead. Um, just to add on to is a reminder that it's not just Medicare that is looking for HCCs. Many other commercial carriers are now using risk adjustment for their payment process. Um, so it's a, more than just Medicare and Medicaid to consider. Um, and as for the no, I'm wondering if maybe that's for maybe institutions where they do not have an institution-owned provider practice. Maybe that's why they're not capturing that telemedicine and counter uh, CDI opportunity. Right. All right. Well, uh, really appreciate that, guys. Again, it just does show it's an innovative topic. You guys are in an innovative place with that, and hopefully we gave some our listeners some ideas. You can learn a lot more in Orlando. <laughs>
right. Um, let's jump briefly to end the news. I know we can close to the top of the hour, but wanted to share a, a news story on a very vulnerable diagnosis. And um, let me dismiss that. Um, you know, one of our uh, biggest CDI headaches, of course, severe malnutrition. In case you hadn't seen, the OIG is is issuing has updated uh, its uh, work plan that, and they have indicated that during they're going to be uh, reviewing Medicaid claims for severe malnutrition. Um, you know, it's it's not a, a very detailed announcement here. I'm just sharing it on the screen. They they say that you know obviously hospitals allowed to bill for the different severity. We talked about this a little bit today. Mild, moderate, severe. Severe, of course, is classified as an MCC. It can result in increased payment by causing the claim to be coded. We, we, this, this stuff we know, um, but there was a big splash last year that I covered on the podcast. I'll just click over to that as a reminder. Um, I This is actually two years ago, 2020. And these last two years have blended together quite a bit. Um, Hospitals overbilled Medicare 1 billion for incorrectly assigning severe malnutrition diagnosis codes to inpatient hospital claims. So back in the news with severe malnutrition, um, you know, this particular audit that I'm showing you here from July 2020 was quite concerning for many reasons, but really just the error rate. So when, it, when we say error rate, of course, we realize that this is a bit subjective because some of these might very well be in the chart. The OIG auditor sees it a different way. We understand that, but but according to the OIG, uh, hospitals correctly billed Medicare for only 27 of 200 claims they looked at, which is about an 87% error rate, and they extrapolated that amount, came up with that billion figure, and now we're seeing, of course, it is back in the news again uh, with this proposed audit that will start that has started and there we'll be seeing probably results from that in 2023. Um, so just curious, maybe Trish, if you have any brief thoughts on severe malnutrition and, and, and compliant capture or, or anything about this report in general. Yeah, so this is, this is definitely an area that Cooper of course has, has concentrated on because anything that, that, carry the weight of an MCC, you want to make sure you're accurate, compliant, right? No matter what it is. But of course, this is a big one. Um, the thing that we that, that we do have is we have a, a, a very active uh, registered dietary um, community, and they review um, quite, a, quite a good number of our charts. So we have the benefit of seeing a registered dietitian's assessment um making sure that you know we have some of the, the components we make sure that there's no conflicting documentation we see what the physicians are doing so when we do queries we do a three-legged stool risk treatment you know is it is it there um we give all the identifiers we find everything in the chart and we allow the physician to make sure that the documentation is compliant and clear and gives an accurate picture of that patient. And that's all you can really do, right? Mm -hmm. um, with what you have on, you know. We don't tend to overreach and try to go for it because it's an MCC. We just look and see what's going on with the patient. What the, is, does, is there evidence that this is being treated? And a lot of times the registered dietitian is on there to give us more information to ask the question. 
mm-hmm. with the query process. That's all you can really do. Yep. Be as compliant as possible. That's right. I love how you're involving your RDs too. I think that's a that's a key uh, component of the, doing this compliantly. They they know as well as anyone about these patients. So. All right. Um, just briefly here, we have uh, wanted to touch on one thing on our Actus update. We've got some new forms and tools um, added to our resources section. We've got a sample tip sheet, sample policy on provider education, sample guidelines, uh, second level reviewer process. Uh, if you're not a member of Actus National, I'll say I don't know what you're waiting for. You should join. <laughs> these are these resources are for members of our. Uh, Paid Actus members, so uh, but they're available once you're once you are a member of Actus, and if you're if you're not yet, get in on it while you still can. Um, oh, just <laughs> it, a, it's, a quick plug too: the CDI Journal came out yesterday, so woo! Yeah, you know that came out as well, and that's um, under our publications tab. If you haven't checked out the newest edition of the CDI Journal, I'll just click over to that real quick. It's here for you. It's a great issue. Uh, got, got some nice kudos on that already. All right, so that is going to do it for today's edition of the Actus Podcast. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned at the outset of the show, we're going to be doing a, a, a show next week, so a little bit off our usual every other week cadence, but this is my final podcast. Um, try not to shed a tear. Uh, we're we're going to be doing an Actus Farewell, just a bit of a recap of what we've been doing with the with the podcast. We're going to introduce some of our new Actus leadership on this call and have a little fun too, because I can. Why not? I hope you can join us for this last show. Again, I want to thank Mary and Tris for joining us today. Uh, wonderful topic, really timely, and looking forward to, again, the, the, the full measure in, in May in Orlando. For everyone else, we'll see you back here again next week. Take care, everyone.